Juror number 13 by Marvin Sprouse. Triskaidekaphobia, fear of the number 13. I don't have it. I am not superstitious. I was juror number 13 and the number meant nothing to me. Designated as an alternate juror, I did not expect to participate in deciding the case. But the judge dismissed juror number three on day two after catching him asleep in the jury box for the third time, three strikes and out. Juror number three may have been tired, bored, or just had something better to do, and then he was gone. As I sat with my fellow jurors at the end of twelve hours of fruitless deliberation, my vote counted. As a lawyer, I had not expected to be picked as a juror. Both sides must have thought I might help them in the jury room, if it came to that. One side was wrong. Juror number one was the jury foreman. Self-appointed, self-important, lifted weights in high school, sells insurance, plays golf at the municipal course. You know the type. I hate to say it, he said, but I think we're at that point. We've been round and round. We need to let the judge know we're deadlocked. He looked around the table. Does anyone disagree? I knew what would happen next. If we told the judge we were deadlocked, there would be at least two hours of argument between the lawyers over just how and whether the judge should tell us to keep trying. It was Friday morning. We would not start deliberating again until after lunch. The judge might keep us late. She might threaten to work us over the weekend. Certainly the trial would spill into next week. I had enjoyed a break from the office, but I have clients and things are piling up. Enough is enough. I'd like to make a suggestion, I said. The other jurors turned to face me, a little surprised. I had not had much to say during the previous 12 hours. The jury foreman pointed at me as though he was granting permission to speak. What's your idea? We have been at eight to four in favor of convicting from the beginning. We've been over the evidence, the testimony, and the arguments many times. Juror number six was impatient. What's your point? he asked. Let him speak, said juror number two. Everybody gets a chance. It's only fair. She smiled at me. I had asked juror number six not to interrupt her early in the deliberations, and she was returning a favor. My question is this, I said. If you were the defendant, and if you had been charged with killing your husband, I paused. What I was about to say could change everything. If you were accused of murder, and if you were innocent, would you have testified if just to say simply, I didn't do it? The room erupted. Juror number seven quickly pushed his chair back and stood up, as though something revolting had been placed on the table before him. Juror number six exhaled and put his head down. Juror number five put her hands over her ears and tightly closed her eyes. Are you kidding me? said juror number four. It was not really a question. Only juror number eleven did not react. He slowly looked at me and gave a subtle nod. He was, perhaps, already with me. The jury foreman was red in the face. He picked up the jury instructions and flipped and scanned the pages. He found what he was looking for. Look it, he said, holding up a page and pointing to the text as though I could read it from ten feet away. It says right here, black and white, plain English, and I quote. 
The jury may not consider the defendant's decision not to testify as evidence of guilt or innocence or for any other reason. I know what it says. Then why bring it up? asked juror number 10. I don't know, man, said juror number 4. I don't want to get in trouble. There is such a thing as juror misconduct, I said. This isn't it. Not even close. How do you know? asked juror number 9. You a lawyer? I thought he was an accountant, said juror number two, looking at me. Right? I am an accountant, I said, but I also went to law school, and I am a lawyer. Sheesh, said juror number eight. The foreman looked at me like I was crazy. Don't you think we should have known that from the beginning, he asked. Yeah, said juror number four. You could have been helping us this whole time. I was afraid of that, I said. I really didn't want my being a lawyer to influence anyone. We're all adults here. Citizens. Nothing special about me or my opinions. Why should we listen to you now? Asked juror number six, right on cue. I raised my hands in surrender. I'll shut up if you want me to. There was a silence at the table. A real sashura. Juror number eleven spoke. The defendant didn't testify. Tell us how considering that would not be wrong. My idea is different. I'm not saying we should consider why the defendant didn't testify. I am saying, as a sort of a thought experiment, whether in the same position, accused of murder, whether we on a personal level would want to testify and say we were innocent. I think you're splitting hairs, said the foreman. He's a lawyer, said juror number six. Splitting hairs is what they do. He turned and gave me a smarmy smile. No offense. None taken, I said. Jackball. What's a thought experiment? Asked juror number eight. A thought experiment is when you consider something on a theoretical basis. You're basically trying out an idea and examining its consequences without committing to it. Let me see if I've got this right said juror number five. You want us to first imagine whether, personally, we would want to testify in our own defense if we were wrongly accused of a crime. And then, with that frame of mind, you want us to judge whether the defendant, in this case, is guilty. I think that's it, I said. I don't see a difference between that and what the judge told us not to do, said juror number two. Yeah, said juror number nine. I don't want to get popped by the judge for juror mis... mis... juror misconduct, I said. Look, juror misconduct in this case would be if we were researching facts about the case or the defendant or the victim on our own. In other words, if we were considering things outside the evidence. We're not doing any of those things. Juror number two shook her head. Surely we can't do just whatever we want. I want to take this seriously. There's a lot at stake. For the defendant, maybe even her life. I think we are all taking this seriously, I said. I hope so. But the conduct of this jury has been outstanding compared to some juries. The defendant is lucky to have us. She could have done a lot worse. What do you mean by that? asked juror number four. There's a case taught in every law school. It's called Tanner versus United States.
In that case, after the verdict, it was discovered that during the trial, most of the jurors had been consuming alcohol. Pitchers of beer at lunch, wine, mixed drinks, many of them had been using marijuana. One juror sold a quarter pound of marijuana to another juror. Drugs in the courthouse. Some jurors even used cocaine during the trial. Shoot, said juror number nine, a 20-something forklift driver. He was intrigued by the possibilities. You mean we could have been partying this whole time? Not on my watch, buddy, said the foreman. He turned to me. What happened in that case? Nothing, I said. The case was appealed all the way up to the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court held that the defendant in that case had a fair trial, even if the jurors were stoned, drunk, or both. Juror number five looked around the table. I don't care what you all do on your own time, but I haven't seen anything like that going on here. Neither have I, said juror number nine. Too bad. Still, I don't think the judge would like it, said juror number two. Our deliberations are confidential, I said. There's even a rule of evidence that says the judge only gets to know the verdict, not how we got there. But if the losing lawyers learn anything about what we have discussed, and I mean anything, they will be all over us, even though we've done nothing wrong. Each of us would be deposed, and we would all need lawyers of our own. There would be another trial over what happened in this room. It would be a nightmare. It's nobody's business, said the foreman, nodding. I think we should try it, said juror number 11. What have we got to lose? asked juror number 5. Wait, said juror number 2, still hesitant. It's just an experiment, right? Right, I said. If it makes any difference to the outcome, we can talk about it, set it aside, whatever. No harm, no foul. Okay, then. The foreman picked up his pencil and squared his notepad before him. I think we all get it, but tell us one more time to be sure. I knew we were on the cusp, and I had to be careful. Here's the scenario. You've been accused of a murder you did not commit. You are innocent. You are on trial. Your lawyers tell you they will take care of everything. Your lawyers tell you that you will only hurt your case if you testify. The question is, would that be enough to keep you from going under oath and telling the judge, the jury, and the world that you did not commit this crime? I waited to let that sink in. Now, whatever your answer is to that question, take that feeling with you and look again at the facts of this case think about it, then vote. There was a peculiar weightlessness in the room. Even the air seemed thinner in a silence that was almost reverential. One by one, each of us wrote a verdict, tore off a sheet, and passed the folded paper to the foreman. I count twelve, said the foreman. He opened the papers and made a note of the tally on his pad. He passed each paper to juror number two, who did her own count. The foreman dropped his pencil on the pad and took a breath. You're not going to believe this, he said. I have twelve guilty 
votes here. I have the same, said juror number two. Judas Priest, said juror number 10, a white-haired retiree. My grandfather used to say that. I had not heard the expression in a very long time. It's the first time all 12 of us have agreed on anything, said juror number two. The foreman cleared his throat. I guess the question now is, do we keep talking? Or do we tell the judge we have a verdict? The room remained silent. There was no eye contact. The jurors looked down or straight ahead to an imaginary horizon. All except for juror number two. She was looking right at me. She said nothing, but her look was a question. Are we really going to do this? Now I'm driving home, ahead of traffic, but just barely. I will have time for a shower, a nice dinner, and then I'm off to the game. I have tickets to the Spurs. The Spurs are favored to win big. 13-point spread. I have money on the Spurs.